Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, folks. It's Rick Wilson. And welcome to The Daily Beast's The New Abnormal. Hi, I'm Molly Jongfast, a left-wing pundit and editor-at-large at The Daily Beast. I'm also an editor at The Daily Beast, a former Republican political strategist, best-selling author, and full-time troublemaker. We're here to have fun, sharp conversations with some of the smartest people in media, politics, business, and science that help make what's happening in the country and the world clearer. I'll try to keep Rick to the minimum number of F-bombs and try to keep our kids, pets, and other wildlife sounds from invading our respective bunkers. Well, Molly, we've got the very first president in history to be the winningest winner of all the winners of, that ever existed in the history of winning the special, special contest we call, How Many Impeachments Can You Get? Yeah, the, the second impeachment really hits the spot. I, for one, am tired of all the winning. And I think this was just the most winningest win of all the wins for Donald Trump because no one else will ever rival him in the history of this great republic for having been impeached twice. We shouldn't say that. It's possible that... Do you think I'm jinxing us? Yeah, President Tucker Carlson gets impeached more than once. I mean, I, we, you know, it's certainly definitely a new day in dysfunction in our American government. But I do think it is interesting to me, and I was watching yesterday, that Republicans went so quickly from the election was stolen and this is rigged and they, Democrats, have stolen this election from us to uh, this amazing narrative that it's all about unity. We've all got to come together. Right. How dare Democrats try to hold Trump responsible for crimes. That he committed. Right. Unity. And the analogy, and I'm not, I'm not being flippant about this, this is like a domestic abuser who says, you know, I know I hit you. Don't make me angry by reminding me I hit you or I'll hit you again. This is this is how sick and pathological this thing is now. They are in a profoundly abusive relationship with Trump. They can't get out of it. They can't set him on fire while he sleeps, or they could, but they're just chicken shit. But on the other hand, they know they can't go out into the world anymore and pretend that this is normal. Well, but they're going to try. Yeah, of course. Listen, the Republicans have become very, very, very expert. And believe me, I know. I helped build this fucking playbook of playing the refs, of working working the refs, and trying to say the things that they know that the Washington media will respond to. The Washington media is programmed at a deep level to want to see comedy and civility and, and mature people working out their differences in a mature way. Right. There's a framing there. Right. But let's talk about Josh Hawley, because Josh Hawley saw the opportunity. He saw that the MAGA base got very excited about this election, election fraud scheme and decided he was going to run with it because he wanted to be president in 2024. Right. Absolutely. It's just the most sort of craven opportunist. Now... I'm going to read you this Axios poll today 
with yes. Josh Hawley underwater with both R's and not well liked, liked even among Trumpy Republicans. You hate to see it. <laughs> but explain to me what happened there, because you would think that would be sort of the moment, right? The Trump, the, the Trumpy senator embraces the Trumpy lie, the Trumpy big lie, and yet it didn't work for him. You know, Molly, and, and I just want to give a shout out to the Holly staffer who has been uh, trawling all my social media and going through all my podcasts. I heard about that yesterday. So good luck <laughs> to you. I she listens to the pod. I, I, I has been assigned to listen to all the podcasts or find a transcript of them. Um, I, I wish you the best of luck. You will hear the words "fuck, fuck, king, shitbird, oh, shit." Just beep and it all out, Jesse. <laughs> Very frequently in the course of this, and I hope your delicate Missouri sensibilities are not deeply offended. But Josh Hawley is a guy who came from an upper middle class family in Missouri. Okay, got into an elite school. Got into another. Isn't elite he building school. a country house in the Ozarks? He is because he doesn't have a house in the Ozarks. He uses his sister's address illegally, uh, claiming right. it's his address. His mortgage and his homeowner's tax deduction is in the great state of Virginia. Hi, Josh. The thing about Josh Hawley, you should know, this guy is this very American story of the kid born into the upper middle class, and when he discovers there's this world of the magical meritocracy out there. At Stanford and Yale, and you know, as a Supreme Court clerk, he starts to hate who he is and where he's from. He hates it. He can't stand it. He doesn't want to be in, in Jack Fuck, Missouri. He wants to be in Davos. He doesn't want to be a guy from the middle of, of dirt country, a flyover country. He wants to be in the in the most glittering conferences at Aspen and and in Washington and in all region. And meanwhile, I have to say, just a, a quick aside, I saw Ozarks. I love that show, and I would absolutely love to go there. So just a quick Okay, aside. listen, Continue. it's, a, it's the, one of the best written shows on television right now. Uh, absolutely genius writers group there, and great acting as well. Yeah. And it also is very much of our time, because, you know, every time he gets out of a problem, a bigger one emerges, you know? <laughs> it's true. It's very, it's very 2020, looking back. <laughs> but he's got this gigantic chip on his shoulder of pure loathing class anxiety. He just wants to be the biggest, the best. He's always been told from the minute he was born, you're the special snowflake. You're the perfect child. I guarantee you, his parents hustled him back and forth to every extracurricular activity in the world. He's like a machine programmed from the future to come back here and run as the as the combination of Trumpist nationalism and, and elite credentialism. Well, you only get to pick one, dude. And so right now, he's not ever going to be invited back to places like Davos or Aspen or Palm Beach. Those places are now foreclosed to him. You know why? Because he is with Bobert and Cawthorn and Gomert and Gates and the rest of the clown crew of the Cletus the Slack-Jawed Yokel Trump train. That's what he's picked. And, and you know, you can, like I said, this guy, you can see this like class anxiety rolling off of him all the time. And look, a lot of members of Congress are like this, okay? They're like high achieving enough in their state to suddenly go to an Ivy or to go to a great school and sort of get into the credentialism, the credentialed world. And then they don't want to be that anymore. They don't want to be that guy anymore. You know, I don't want to be a guy from Missouri. Oh, man. And now I'm from, I'm a sophisticated U.S. senator. I was a Supreme Court clerk. Josh Hawley is Ted Cruz with 25% more social graces and fewer jowls, okay? Right. Doesn't this, 
I mean, there were other senators who voted to overturn the election and ruin democracy forever. But isn't the two people who really got left holding the bag, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley? You mean co-conspirators in the seditious plot to overthrow the United States? Right. Yes. Like, I mean, I don't think anyone gives a shit about Cindy Hyde-Smith. Right. Right. Who also voted to overturn democracy and is probably crazy. I want right. to use but some kind there, of Southern there are expression bread here. smarter than Cindy Hyde-Smith. Okay. <laughs> right. She's a no count. But somehow she's not left holding the bag here. No, but look, Ron Johnson sure is. He was absolutely a part of it. Yeah, but Ron Johnson was actively spreading disinformation on Meet the Press. I mean, Ron Johnson, I don't know what happened to him, but he's he broke. You know, he's like the Devin Nunes of the Yeah, Senate. something broke Ron Johnson. You know what, Molly? Yes. You know what you, speaking of broken brains, you know who you haven't mentioned in many an episode? Louis Gohmert? No, your favorite person with a broken brain. Devin Nunes. Yes. I feel like we've I feel like we've left Devin off the radar screen for a while. Devin hasn't been so involved because you know the sort of kings of the um, of the stop the steal trying to overturn the election have been um, you know those two representatives from Arizona. You mean to say the chief co-conspirators in the seditious plot to overthrow the United States government? Right, Gosar, Congressman Dentist, and um, Mo Brooks. You got to fight, fight, fight. Gosar's ratting him, family is ratting him out that he wanted to, uh, to, to, he was encouraging the coup plot. Those Gosar siblings really hate him. Listen, every family has sibling rivalries and sibling, and sibling issues. Every family does. But I think there are like six or seven of them, right? It's yeah. some huge number. <laughs> they're happy they to go all, on television at any right, time. They're all like, yeah, about- fuck my brother, that asshole. <laughs> <laughs> true and literally i've seen them on television so many times and they're like he's just he's not well he's not smart i don't know what's wrong with him yeah he's terrible right there's something there's some serious fuckery there in that family where do we think we're at with impeachment is there 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 any state of play here yeah i have some insight for you and i and i've been told this is mitch mcconnell's conundrum by a senior senate staffer this person said to me last night you've got to remember mitch mcconnell is transactional on the one hand right and so he sees you guys, Lincoln Project, and many others cutting off their money. And, it, and that, that, by the way, is accelerating by the minute. By yes, the minute. Because that's of corporations cutting them Corporate off. Corporate America, weird, call me crazy. Corporate America is anti violent overthrow of the United States government. I don't know why. <laughs> I can't figure it out. Maybe I'm just an old fashioned guy. Maybe, maybe I'm miss, missing something they do, they, the kids love today. But they're anti coup. Call yeah, me crazy, like right? It. And they're, they're, they're not so bueno on the coup. <laughs> so, you know, so he feels that pressure on the one hand. I don't know if you saw the video that Rick Scott, the incoming chairman of the NRSC, made. Yes, Rick Scott is also part of the the uh, pro-violent insurrection caucus. Let me tell you, that outfit he's wearing, the whole, like, fishing vest and the baseball cap, it, it looked more like a guy who would say, I'm Rick Scott. I've got a puppy in my van. Would you like to pet him? You know, he's just frightening. He's and I've known this guy. Look, I've been around this guy for a long time now. I mean, since 2010, I've seen this guy. And he never gets less weird and, and creepy and, like, snake-like. How does Rick Scott keep his job, though, if he needs to raise money and he... Billions of dollars! Right, he has billions of dollars, but he's got to raise. I mean, it can't all be his money, right? Right, no, no. He has to go out and hustle. And so 
Uh, Steve Scalise and Rick Scott and a few others are now out trying to tell their donors, hey, don't worry about it. You can make the VIG in 90 days when your amount comes due. Well, these companies, I don't think it's going to go well for them because some of the people that they're already hitting up are, are snitching on them to us at Lincoln Project already. That's good. And it's kind of great. They're like, don't worry, we're not going to do it. And we're like, well, you know, we know you're not going to do it. There's a report filed every 90 days. It's a public record. <laughs> right. So it's cool. Don't worry. Abe is watching. So Mitch McConnell understands that if he's cut off financially, that they have to raise all of their money online from the crazy Trumpers. Because the online giving audience for the for Republicans now, if you looked at any Republican's email uh, fundraising appeal, any single one of them ever, in the last year, Trump, 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 Trump. I love Trump, 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 Trump. Those people are frightening Mitch McConnell on the other side of the equation because he has to raise money from them. Therefore, he has to do crazy shit all the time that he hates. And if he doesn't, and if he lets his caucus vote for impeachment, which would save a lot of the incumbents that are up in 2022, they'll get primaried by crazy people. So he's in a terrible position. And the person that gave me this information, very senior Senate person, a loyalist, by the way, to the institution and to the Republicans there. This person was like, it was like a shrug. It was like, oh, well, I don't yeah, even care. I, I'm gonna, I can retire. Fuck it. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Can Rick Scott stay in that fundraising position if he can't fundraise? I mean, don't, why won't Republicans try to sort of rebuild themselves as a more legitimate organization? Or is that ship just sailed? It's just gone. They don't care. They just don't care. I mean, they, they have reached a point. Let me phrase it this way. They've reached a point where they understand the damage is so extensive that what they're going to try to do is cauterize it and triage it in as many places as they can. They're going to try to save as many seats as they can in 24 and to avoid as many primaries as they can. And I think that that is something that they that they you mean are in 22, really right? 22. I'm so sorry. 22. Uh, now, 24 is going to be even more of a shit show. That's a terrible map for them. Yes, it's a terrible map for them. So what happened yesterday was one, was the most bipartisan impeachment ever. Ten right. Republicans voted to impeach. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about how that happened and how they're doing and how, I mean, that seems like a lot to me. I've talked to a couple of them and I'll say this. They're scared in the short term. One, one of the guys that, that voted in favor of impeachment told me that he said the, the number of calls and signal and telegram conversations in the last you know, 36 hours about this, he said there were, he said if it was a secret ballot, Trump would have been impeached with 50% or more of the caucus voting against him. Yeah, I'm sure. But he said the death threat stuff is real. It's absolutely real. They're terrified. Really? Tell they, us they, about they, it. No, they are terrified <laughs> of this. Oh, yes, I'm sorry. I, I mean, as the two of us who get, yeah. right. I mean, the two yeah. of us who get endless death threats all the time. I don't get them as badly as you do, but I mean, fuck them. My favorite death threat for the last few days was, well, it wasn't really a death threat. It was really like an animal cruelty threat. And I think he meant to say, I'm coming to fuck you up. Right. But instead he said, I'm coming to fuck you pup, P-U-P. -P. I'm like, you're not having sex with my dogs. Get the fuck out of here, pervert. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I mean, I, 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 the death threat, it's so funny because it's like for the last four years, and funny is not the right word. I mean, it's ironic that for the last four years, the AOC and Ilhan Omar have had these absolutely, you know, the most vile death threats in the entire world. And now all of a sudden Republicans are like, we don't like these death threats. Really, guys? <laughs> right. Oh, I'm so right. Yeah. When, when they send me pictures of me, uh, when they send pictures to me, 
uh, of my kids with bullet holes photoshopped in their heads. That's hilarious. You cook? Why are you whining? Toughen up, snowflake. And now it's like, you know, they're fucking petrified. Well, guess what? You motherfuckers created this monster and you kept feeding it. You kept it in the basement. You hauled it out to vote every two years, but you kept feeding it. And now it's loose and it hates you more than it hates anything. I, I, I say this a lot. There's nothing Trump voter hates more than a Republican that doesn't support Trump. I think that's right. So what, so what about these 10 good Republicans? Actually, there's 11 because one guy voted, sort of voted half, right? Yeah. Yeah. What about these guys? I mean, are they going to be safe? Are they going to be primaried? What? Oh, look, they're going to be primaried. They're all going to get primaried. Every one of them's going to get primaried. Okay. Some of them come from states that are where it's it's not so Trumpy, where they are more famous than their Trumper. Yeah, but uh, but I'm 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 just going to tell you they 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 will all get a primary. They'll all pull a primary. Um, and, and there's a simple incentive reason for that. All the Trump grifter groups, all the scumbag groups are going to say it was Adam Kinzinger who betrayed our dear leader. Otherwise, we would have held the Oval Office, even though it's bullshit, right? There, or, or Liz Cheney or, 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 or Herrera Butler or whoever. They have an incentive to keep the MAGA base stoked up. And there's nothing they hate more than a Republican who defies Donald Trump. It's the thing that makes their fucking brains explode. They can't stand it. And they make money running for office. It's the Ron Paul thing where you can run for office and make money. It's exactly the Ron Paul kind of thing. Rand Paul, Ron Paul, either one. I don't know. I think Rand Paul may just be a clone of his father. Ron was the one who ran for office all the time. Who yes. ran for president Correct. and made money running Correct. for president. It's kind of a grift. Yeah, he, he had institutionalized running for president as a, uh, as a financial model. Yeah, kind of like Ralph Nader. Right, exa- exactly, Ralph Nader. Right, Rand is the one who got into the fight with his neighbor. And no one should ever get in a fight with their neighbor. <laughs> now, where is the impeachment? It's going to the Senate? It's at the Senate? Mitch can decide? By the schedule, it has to be brought up on the morning of the 21st by 1 o'clock, or the 20th by 1 o'clock. So it cannot now happen until after Donald Trump is out of office. Right, which is what he was hoping. Which is what McConnell wanted. Now, I personally don't like it, this model. I think it should have been done while he was still in office. That's just me. You know, maybe I, maybe I have a different sensibility to this, but that was my that was my thought. He can still be held to trial, right? That is Even correct. He can still be held, right. And they can remove his presidential benefits, which I think stands to every bit of reason under the sun. And they can also they can also directly strike at his ability to run for office again. Right, which is necessary. And, and look, I, 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 know that, I know that we're not supposed to encourage cancel culture, but to save this country for the future, the utter destruction of Donald Trump, the absolute destruction of Donald Trump financially, politically, and personally is going to, you know, all these whiny bitch Republicans like, we have to heal now and come together so Joe Biden must compromise with us. Get right. the fuck out of here. Yeah. The, the way to do this now, the way to heal the nation now, is you have to destroy Donald Trump's ability to get back in this system. Now, the dismantling of Trump's ability to raise money, to be on social media, etc. all these people that are cancel culture. Yes, yes, he's being canceled. Yes, that, that's why. Right. Because he tried to overthrow the United States government. I just think it's super important. I mean, really, really super important that we that we keep in mind 
that unless Donald Trump is put down, unless he is unable to get back on TV and to go out and form a media company and, 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 and be held accountable for the fact that he is a criminal, then we're going to get more of the, when you do something bad and you don't get punished for it, guess what you do? More shit that's bad. Exactly. So I, I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of the cancellation of Donald Trump. I had a, a Trumper person as a consultant yesterday. You know, and we, he's been, t- he's been touching base now that the end is near and, and he's like, man, you just, you can't make a list of people that work for Trump. That's just, that's just wrong, man. You, you can't do it. You can't do it. I'm like, bitch, you wrote a fucking blurb for a book by Corey Lewandowski that said I should be, you know, I should be banned from working in any capacity forever. Get the fuck out of here. So do we think though, this is now just a war of narrative of that? If the Democrats can make an argument that he needs to be held accountable versus the Republicans who are probably just going to say that this is all just revenge on Trump. Why should we vote now that he's out of office? That's what Ben Shapiro said today on Playbook. Oh God, don't tell me I said the same thing as him. So now they'll have a real impeachment trial in the Senate? They'll just have a vote. They'll whip it through as quick as they can. It will come and go like like lightning. It will just be. But he could get removed still, right? Like you can't remove him, I guess, if he's already been removed, right? Well, look, he will have been. He will have lost his office on the twentieth at twelve oh one p.m. The office will have left him. He doesn't leave the office. But the idea that you're blocking him from future political participation—that's a big signal. We've never done right. anything like that before. We've never right. even come close to that. But I, and I, I think people also need to, and it, it speaks to how just completely fucked up we are after the last five years. Everyone woke up this morning and they're like, hey, you know, maybe the craziest thing in the world wasn't that the president of the United States was just impeached in the House of Representatives for trying to violently overthrow the government. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, <laughs> the fact that we think that's like somewhere in the spectrum of not completely crazy town right. is is a real commentary on where we are as a country right now. So what do we think happens now? I think the combination of Airbnb, the federal government, and the airlines, uh, I think they've made enough precautionary moves. Right. And the hotels in D.C. basically shutting down. Come on, guys. You don't think that Trump's speech yesterday made it so all his uh, followers are going to behave? <laughs> I want you to not, not do violence. <laughs> don't right. not do it. Definitely don't not do it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think that was good. People definitely like that. That smoothed the waters. (laughs) I have a question with Trump not paying Rudy's legal bills. Who does does Trump think is going to represent him in the impeachment? Well, he said Alan Dershowitz was going to represent him, but um, Dershowitz today made a statement saying, I haven't heard or talked to anyone on the Trump team at all about this. The what? So (laughs) also I can tell you something about all these guys. The reputation established now for not paying his contractors uh, in the legal space has meant that the quality of said contractors has gone from, in the beginning, Don McGann's and your white shoe law firms. And as it's become more evident that Trump is both insane, criminal, and uh, does not pay his legal bills. Right. You're probably not getting him back. It's gone down to you know, ticket attorney Jenna Ellis and former mayor and sometimes, you know, physical combat aficionado Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> Trial <laughs> right. by combat. Trial by combat. That one. But but here but here's another question I have just like as a pragmatic and I wrote about this in the beast about these Republican MAGA Congress people and how they need to be expelled. Is there a world in which a Mo Brooks or a Laura Bober who like seems like 
there's definitely some, there's some circumstantial evidence that she may have been involved in. Mo Brooks spoke at the thing. Do those guys get expelled? I mean, is there a precedent for that? They ought to be expelled from the body. They ought to be. I think the decision on whether to expel those people, and so interestingly, there is more of a desire in the Senate to expel Hawley and Cruz than you might think. Oh, well, it's Cruz. I mean, but yes, tell us. If the, if the Senate had a choice between voting for Cruz to be expelled or eaten by wild dogs. Right. I mean. They'd cover him in barbecue sauce naked and throw him in a pit with the dogs. I mean, <laughs> that's just that's just science. But what's your thinking? We're going to see what happens this weekend. If there are massive attacks, uh, again, an armed an armed rebellion in, in in the streets of Washington. Then Trump gets to be president forever, right? No. No, I'm just kidding. No. I'm kidding. Uh, I, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. So what, so can you remove them? I mean, like, if you speak at an insurrection, shouldn't you not be in the Congress? Well, look, it is in the Constitution that you may not advocate for an insurrection. Right. Okay, it's very straightforward. There are a lot of things in the Constitution, however, that are more in the breach than the observance. Right. I think what will happen is if there is a violent uprising by these MAGAs, if we have begun the if we have begun the unconventional warfare phase of the MAGA revolution, right, they will be expelled for having for having fomented and encouraged uh, a violent insurrection. They will be expelled if if it's a flop and Joe Biden is sworn in without a lot of violent protest and violent action in this, in the city of D.C. Uh, I think, frankly, they survive. Institutional grind is what it is, and it's hard. There's a sense among a lot of people in the House that the MAGA caucus is roughly 50% of the Republican caucus in the House. There's a sense on their part that they can come together and tell McCarthy, you're out if you don't stick with our people. The other half of the caucus is thinking to McCarthy, you're out if you don't get rid of these fucking idiots. And look, it's not going to change the headcount. You get rid of Boebert, you're going to get another Republican. Right. Well, are you, though? Because... Yeah, you get rid of Brooks, you get another Republican. But how does that happen? Because isn't it the, gov- isn't it the governor? Yeah, but you, that, that person will be in office for 90, or for, for a year at most, or, or, or two years at most, and then you'll then the next election cycle will go back to the mean. Right. I just think there are going to be a lot of consequences here. And, and there's another thing going on here people are not paying as much attention to, and that is Kevin McCarthy is about to lose his job. He is in mm. deep shit. He's got a caucus of people who think he is a collaborationist with an authoritarian terrorist. Right. And there are people who think he is a, an accommodationist uh, siding with his friends George Soros, Hillary Clinton, and, and, and Van Jones, <laughs> who is ready to bring in gay Sharia marriage. The Magas can't get over that Kevin McCarthy kept selling them, I can get Trump to do things, I can get him to help us, he loves me. And when they're under attack— in the Capitol, and he's having to call Jared, and Jared's answering, new phone, who this? <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't exactly a sign of his great closeness and power with the president. Right. Will Summer is a reporter at the Daily Beast, and today he's going to tell us about all the wonderful, nice people we've been getting to know since January 6th. So, Will, you've been painting a picture of some of the most colorful characters this country has ever seen to make it a nice way of describing these people. Can you first tell us about this character, Ali Alexander, that we're all getting to know this week? 
sure. Um, so Ali Alexander is this kind of um, kind of peripatetic uh, Tea Party character. Um, this guy originated um, in kind of the Tea Party movement under the name Ali Ak. I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, part of that is that he had a different name. And so at the time, he was known as Ali Akbar. Like, like sort of a key thing with Ali is that he's like kind of very pugnacious and is constantly getting in feuds. And he sort of has these grandiose ideas about his own importance. Um, and so he, he was around the Tea Party movement, and this is a guy with um, a felony charge or two um, related to, like, credit card fraud. Yeah, so he kind of just remakes himself as this kind of, like, political operative, um, you know, in around, like, 2010, 2011. It's such an amazing story. So what what did he start with? Like AstroTurf rallies? or Yeah, so he ran this thing called the National Bloggers Club. I mean, you know, this is back when, you know, blogging was kind of like the the, the, the way to, for, to uh, for, you know, fame and riches. Um, and then he kind of was sort of just around and he's sort of affiliated with people like Jacob Wool and like Laura Loomer. So the bottom. Yes, exactly. This is not a guy who's, you know, getting invited to like Mitt Romney campaign events or right. whatever. I mean, but it's sort of like a couple notches below even, like, the Washington Enquirer. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, this is a guy who is really, I mean, he, him and Jacob Wool go to, with Laura Loomer, they go to Minnesota right. and they're raising oh, money. i those videos, yeah. They're acting like, you know, we're going to get murdered in Minnesota and all this <laughs> yes. stuff. And they're raising all this money for their fundraising. And then it turns out that someone, probably Jacob, basically faked a death threat against himself. And so, you know, they're raising all this money and they're saying, like, we got to fund our massive security team. They're just off camera, you know, and meanwhile, all this money is coming in. Because it seems to me, and again, I am not an expert here and you actually are, that really the person who ran the Stop the Steal and organized it was Allie. The, the Stop the Steel rally. That's correct. Shortly after um, Trump loses the election, all of these kind of right-wing internet characters, fame balls, are kind of like, they coalesce around him. And he says, okay, I'm going to hold all these kind of Stop the Steel events around the country. And, you know, we'll send a couple of these characters to each one. And, you know, they're going to, you know, get mad outside of the, like the Maricopa County polling place and stuff like that. But then in the lead up to January 6th, he really takes on this kind of really like lead role organizing that rally in particular um, with people like Alex Jones. And and he sort of along the way sort of feuds with other rival organizers of other events and is sort of like, no, I am the face of January 6th. Basically, he's talking about violence. I mean, he's saying, you know, we're going to, this is, it's either Trump gets reelected or we're going to do 1776. He's saying we're talking about tarring and feathering people. Um, and then, you know, it kind of really all goes south um, on that day. He has a lot of really violent tweets. I mean, he got removed, but uh, a lot of his tweets were really violent. Speaking of that rhetoric, I'm like kind of shocked about the few Congress women. Which one? Well, that's what I was supposed to say is like, I can't believe that the rhetoric that's still happening with these conspiracy theorists has the rhetoric since Parler been shut down with the people you keep an eye on changed? Has it softened or are they just still ramping up the crazy on full throttle? I mean, I, I think the crazy is still going. I, I, I think it's just become a little harder to find. So, yeah, obviously yeah. Twitter and— Where have they gone? So a, a lot of them are on Gab now, which kind of the right. home of mass shooter manifestos. So there's a lot of them there. We have—they're uh, on Telegram, which is another kind of place for extremist groups. We got to get uh, what mass shooter manifesto is in, in here because— 
Yeah, so the, um, the, the guy who did the, or is, is accused of doing, I believe, the Pittsburgh synagogue shooting, uh, announced his plans on Gab, um, which sort of set Gab back a couple years. And that's sort of where Parler came in as the, you know, Dan Bongino is an investor in Parler as kind of the, the more respectable Gab. Um, but of course, Parler now has been, you know, knocked off of, it, it's lost its hosting, it's been knocked off the App Store. They're on Gab um, and, and they're on Telegram, which is this sort of Russian app um, that's that's already kind of a home for a lot of extremists. And so I think a lot of um, people who are you know more, more moderate uh, QAnon people or stuff like that are, are now finding themselves on Telegram. So what is Telegram? Is it like an app? Is it a social network or is it more of a messaging app? It, it's kind of hard to describe. It has like a lot of different aspects. There's an there's an aspect that is like kind of like a WhatsApp where you would just text some. Um, but there's also there's sort of a way that it's sort of like Twitter and that there's usually sometimes one person who can post to a group and then people will follow that group. So it's effectively like a Twitter page. Um, but then there are also groups that are, you know, sort of like a Facebook group where anyone can post. Um, and, you know, they just I, I'm in a lot of German QAnon Facebook groups or excuse me, a lot of German Telegram groups. And they're just always just like constant, just huge feeds. So so, you, you know, it, it has like a lot of different aspects. So from what I understand, I just wrote a little bit about Congress yesterday. So the sort of most QAnonic congresswomen are Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. Uh, yes, yes, that's right. So the, the, yes, the main two QAnon people are Lauren Boebert and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene. And can you explain to me what's going on there? I'm curious. Sure. So Lauren Boebert is this, you know, her original claim to fame, she's this new Colorado representative, and her original claim to fame right. was like, she loved guns. And so she she <laughs> had this- a gun restaurant, right? Right. She has the gun restaurant, shooters, um, the waitresses carry guns. She claimed it, the inspiration for this was like a guy got murdered in the, the alley behind her bar. Um, people looked into this and that was just like weirdly, like just a totally made up story. And so she was on this QAnon podcast and they said, well, you know, what do you think of QAnon? And she said, you know, my mom's really into QAnon. Um, I hope it's real. And so, of course, QAnon, <laughs> right, is is the idea that, like, you know, uh, Tom Hanks is drinking children's blood and Donald Trump is going to execute all the Democrats. And then so she tried to walk that back and said, well, you know, I, I don't really support QAnon. And it's like, well, you said you hope it's real. I mean, how much more could you support something? Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of her her QAnon connection. And but Marjorie Taylor Greene has re, is really until she walked it. I mean, she also supposedly disavowed QAnon in 2018, right? Well, but then she walked that back, so now she's back into it. Oh, she is. Okay. Yeah. So so Marjorie Taylor Greene is you know as they say is much more red pilled. So she's like much more into QAnon than Lauren Boebert, as as far as I can tell. Well, Boebert though seems kind of scarier because she did tweet 1776 on the morning of the Capitol riots. Right, and you know she tweeted Pelosi location after they were supposedly yes. told not to do that. Yes. And I think there's a lot of weird stuff going on with her. Um, but Marjorie Taylor Greene, I mean, just put out tons of content um, attacking Muslims, uh, promoting QAnon. Um, and then it's sort of like after she won her House primary, it sort of seems like some Beltway Republicans were like, hey, you got to chill out about the QAnon. Um, and now, if you ever say that lady loves QAnon, they say, her staff will call you up and say, that's ridiculous. You know, she's not into QAnon anymore. But in fact, <laughs> um, since I believe since I, as I believe in December, she posted a very positive article about QAnon and said, 
um, you know, yes, this is this article is the truth. Like, you know, QAnon people are always lambasted, uh, but they're, you know, th- this is a very positive portrayal of them. So the idea that she's like really left QAnon behind, I think, is is a little of an exaggeration. Wow. The thing I'm always struck by with her is that she's actually quite rich. Yes, that's exactly right. And that's sort of, I, I believe she moved to her district and sort of bought that seat, essentially. Yeah. Just kind of hustled in on the people who were there already and was just kind of like, okay, I'm the congresswoman now. Yeah. It feels apathetical to the rest of it. So I feel like that we are missing some other amazing characters that you've been introducing us to. Can you give us some of the highlights of uh, some of these wonderful people we've gotten to know since January 6th? Sure. I mean, of course, uh, my mind jumps to the Q shaman. Oh, yes, please. So I, I've been familiar with the QAnon shaman for, I don't know, about a year now. And it was, it was, so, so I was at the Capitol. I'm I, sorry. I, I mean, it's really, so I was outside and it was like the tear gas was going off and I couldn't get cell service. And then I just, I had no idea what was going on. And I look at my phone and here's the Q's shaman, like sitting in the house or something, just like he's taken over the chamber. And I thought, oh, you know, what is happening? And so, yeah, the Q shaman, his name is Jake Angeli. He's this guy, he's kind of a Phoenix QAnon character who, which, you know, is Arizona is a very like, powerful work like nexus of QAnon activity right and so he's kind of at the center of it um and so he you know he dresses in bear skins like he's like a world of warcraft character and <laughs> it's kind of like when a QAnon person gets out of jail he's there to meet them with his spear and kind of like they they yell together but yeah i mean he went to the capitol and and you know i think the the relevant thing you know kind of more broadly is you know he told the fbi you know i came here because trump told me to and i mean i think that's something right. uh you know we kind of saw o- over and over with these people i saw that he charges $33.33 for his shaman duties. (laughs) That, I don't know why that struck me, but also, and I think this is sort of an interesting, I don't know, whatever this is, like the useless information that occupies my brain. Um, He wouldn't eat in jail because he demanded organic food. Yes, yes, that was the big complaint was that I, I believe his mother complained that he was kind of starving in the D.C. jail because they didn't have fancy enough food. And then the judge ordered that he be given his organic food. If that isn't white privilege, I don't know. Right. I mean, I don't know what that is. Or is that QAnon privilege? I don't know what that is. But <laughs> I don't know, y'all. I mean, personally, as like a nerdy Brooklyn guy, that may be much less scared to go to jail, though. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's the first and last time anyone has ever gotten organic food in jail. You know, it's funny you say that, Molly. I, I, I do feel like so much of the reactions, both from the rioters and the people who were there at the protest in general, was this I, just kind of this shock that, like, laws would apply to them. You know, a- afterwards, um, you know, D.C. was under this 6 p.m. curfew, and there was almost like a mini-riot at one of the hotels because they were, you know, they were like, why can't we go out? And, like, I want to order DoorDash and all this stuff. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, you tried to have a like you know there's a curfew you know it's, it's pretty pretty simple what happened here i have to say that video with the girl when she got maced and then she came back and she was like we're just trying to have a revolution they maced me <laughs> that i was really struck by that that idea that they just that it was like the idea that you couldn't break into the capital they i i feel like they didn't realize that you couldn't do it that you weren't supposed to. Yeah, I mean, it's really bizarre. Like, the, the gentleman who was next to uh, Ashley Babbitt when she was shot, and he who was just arrested himself yesterday, and he gives this interview that's like, oh, yeah, we were really rampaging through Congress. I mean, we were doing whatever we wanted and, like, on the hunt. And then someone got shot, and, like, that's totally unfair to us because, like, we're American citizens. I mean, there's just this weird... One thing I heard a lot um, at the Capitol was this idea that, like, 
if you pay taxes, you could just break into whatever federal building you feel like. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and because <laughs> your taxes in an indirect way pay for the Capitol Police, that like they they're like you're their boss. Um, I mean, it, it really is this just like huge amount of entitlement. Yeah. You, you see like in the, the footage, so many of them, everybody's saying this is our mm-hmm. house yeah. over and over again. Like it really is insane. I'm curious, Will, though, was there anything like that you was really unexpected when you were on the ground there? I mean, I imagine a lot of it, but like what stuck out to you? Yeah. I mean, I, I you know, beforehand, I, I guess I was just surprised by, I mean, you know, going into it, I, I knew that there was going to be a lot of kind of like violent energy and feelings and just the chatter online had been so specific about we're going to attack the Capitol. We're going to bring zip ties, you know, we're going right. to, we're going to take hostages or kill people. And then, but, but I was really struck by the people I talked to um, who were not necessarily crazed QAnon people. Some of them were, but, um, but kind of just like, people you might think of as your neighbors or your grandparents and just almost to, to a person, they were all just like, well, yeah, I mean, if, Joe Biden gets um, gets his vote certified today. Like you know, there's going to be violence today, and we're going to kill people, and there's going to be a civil war. And I mean, it's just like I, I I kept trying to check myself: Am I just getting the craziest people? But I just kept talking to people, and everyone just had this kind of like very. It was like, oh, you know, this is what we do: is we just uh, it's such a common thing. If you know the legislator doesn't do what we want, we just kill them. And obviously, that's not what happens. But these people are just convinced that uh, that's like an appropriate thing to do. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. The guy who live-streamed Ashley Babbitt, and he live-streamed, like, all the violence. I was reading this piece in The Times uh, that maybe you saw on the opinion page. Supposedly the guy was actually Black Lives Matter. Right, so that guy supposedly is one of these, like— citizen journalist characters. Yeah. I, you know, he has become kind of a flashpoint for anyone looking to prove that, you know, Antifa or Black Lives Matter was behind this. There certainly are these kind of characters who, I mean, as we saw, people love streaming things, um, even if it's of them committing crimes. (laughs) And so, so yeah, I mean, that is an interesting character, uh, certainly. And, and, you know, he's on the video saying to the police, like, you know, you better move or this crowd's going to tear you apart. Yeah. I will say my journalistic ethics do not apply to, you know, doing work for the mob, right. you know, so <laughs> I would not do that myself. Um, but, but yeah, I think there's, you know, I think there's just so many questions that remain about, you know, what happened then. Do you have the sense, there certainly were a bunch of people who were, you know, we saw that guy who broke, who lives, who, who had that tweet. And now I can't remember his name, who had the tweet where he went into Nancy Pelosi's office and was looking at her email. Oh, oh, uh, Elijah Schaefer. You know who I'm talking about? Yeah, the, yes. the Blaze guy. Yes. Right. That, And he was like, I'm surrounded by patriots in Nancy Pelosi's office. And then he deleted it and was like, I was just documented. You know, I was there to document. How does that person not get arrested by the FBI? Yeah, I mean, you know, that whole thing is very weird to me. I mean, particularly because he was sending these tweets, as you say, that were like something like, you know, it's the revolution that was that seemed like very um, sort of positive tweets about what was going on and sort of from a, you know, sort of like this is us, like kind of we point of view. Um, You know, it's a great question. I mean, I think Elijah certainly has a better, you know, this is something we're seeing is a lot of people who were documenting it were saying, you know, oh, I'm just press after they get caught. Now, I think Elijah has a somewhat better claim to that because, you know, he has acted in this function in the past. Um, But, you know, like uh, there was this proud boy who got arrested and he was live streaming it. He's like, well, I'm a member of the media. And, you know, all of his videos are just him saying, like, we did it. We took over the Capitol. Um, You know, and there were a lot of people like that, I think. Um, 
you know, it's just been just been fascinating seeing all these these characters who kind of think they're not in trouble. I mean, there was a guy who was providing the FBI with video from the Capitol and saying, you know, here's how you catch the podium guy. And they're like, well, you did it, too. You know, we're going to arrest you as well. <laughs> Can you talk about the podium guy? Because he's become such a sort of figure of those. Yeah, I mean, sure, certainly. I mean, the podium guy has certainly become, you know, he's carrying, I believe, the speaker's podium and, you know, he's got this kind of like, you know, the like record Shitty scratch. Like, you're probably wondering yeah. how I ended up in this situation. <laughs> kind of yes, yes, it, yeah, yes, I mean, certainly yes. I, I think it's been interesting seeing you know, like kind of the meme people get arrested. Um, the guy who is wearing like not the Q shaman, but the the judge's son from New York who's wearing like the animal yeah, pelts the and just I mean yeah. almost looked like he was like tripping on acid and had just like come through and was like, Where am I? Um and, and, and so certainly those people are getting arrested. I think the next step I think it'll be interesting to see is um you know, the the groups that we saw that I think were much more coordinated and seemed to have sort of agendas in mind. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Do you have a sense and Again, I know this isn't quite your beat, but it feels to me just like from my instincts that we are still getting like three quarters of the story. Are you getting that sense too? Oh, I think we'd be lucky if it's three quarters so far. I think I think there's a lot going on. I mean, I saw so much weird stuff there. You know, there was like I, I did a Twitter thread about this, but like the the Proud Boys had said that they would come in in disguise, and then before the event started, I kind of saw this like rallying group of people I recognized as Proud Boys, and a lot of them were wearing orange, and they were just kind of very like intense people I saw all around the city had either orange hats or sort of orange like wrist or armbands, and it seemed like a signal. And then the Wall Street Journal report that people wearing orange were kind of this very specific vanguard of the riot that kind of started things off. And so, you know, additionally, we look at videos and kind of looks like some Oath Keepers were moving kind of with very with some very clear intentions through the mob. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's, there's a lot to come out. And of course, you know, that Democratic Congresswoman who claimed that, you know, members of Congress were giving kind of recon advice to the rioters. I mean, I... It's it, there's still a lot to be revealed, I think. Thank you so much, Well. Okay, all right, great talking to you both. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. When picking a commerce platform for your business, you have two choices. Or, I prefer, don't you? That's the sound you'll hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell, online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling your business's complexity no matter how big you grow. 
Step up to Shopify and harness the best converting checkout and the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands like Rothy's, Allbirds, Brooklinen, and so much more. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache. Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate your products, orders, customers, and more from every major e-commerce platform to Shopify. If you're anything like me, you're one of those don't put me in a box people. Everyone who knows me knows. I'm a don't put me in a box person. And thankfully, Shopify never will because with Shopify, control of your brand and business is always in your hands from your storefront look to your back office operations. I hate when checking out from an online store and then having to pull out my credit card and type in all those numbers. A Shopify store remembers my shipping address and payment information. So if I'm on the couch and my wallet is on the kitchen counter... I don't even have to get up. Stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their business. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash abnormal, all lowercase. Shopify.com slash abnormal. Before we get into things, we have a fun little treat. There are so many insane things happening in the world right now, and two episodes a week just aren't enough to cover it all. So, the new Abnormal is going to release a limited-run series of bonus interviews over the next few weeks for Beast Inside members only. We'll release a new one each Sunday, but listen carefully. Only Beast Inside members will have access to these. So, head over to the newabnormal.thedailybeast.com to become a Beast Inside member now. That's newabnormal.thedailybeast.com. Eric Swalwell is the congressman from California's 15th congressional district and one of the impeachment managers for the impeachment of Donald Trump the second time. And he is going to talk to us about the state of play with some cameos from his small children who are getting a bath. How are you? How are you feeling? What was that like? It sounds like it was much scarier than we're even really able to know. You know, so Molly, I never in a million years would have thought that the Capitol would be breached. And so as I was sitting on the floor and we were counting the electoral votes, you see the images over at the White House and you think, well, I know they're coming here, but there's no way they're going to get on the Capitol grounds. And then you see that they're on the Capitol grounds and you think, well, there's no way they're going to get in. And then you see images that they're inside and you think, well, they'll never get to the chamber. And then you just start hearing the banging on the doors and the smashing of the glass and officers screaming and scrambling. And then you're told, take out a gas mask and get ready to duck. And I still thought there's no way they're coming in here until the House chaplain went up to the podium where the president usually speaks at for the State of the Union. And she started offering a prayer. And I thought, OK, uh, <laughs> They're going to get in here, and (laughs) this is not good. I mean, I can't even imagine, and I don't want you to say anything that's not, you know, clear to say. It feels like we don't know the whole story. I don't feel like I know the whole story. I don't understand how so many people were able to get in. I understand who invited them to the Capitol, who incited them to the Capitol, who urged them to fight for him. That's the president. But I just don't understand how thousands were able to get in, find their way around and how we weren't prepared knowing that this this wasn't a spontaneous protest. This was an event that had been planned for weeks 
uh, and why we weren't ready and, and whether any members uh, worked, uh, you know, to help them, we certainly should understand. We've heard now three different congressmen sort of hint that that is a possible issue. And we've seen like this one congresswoman tweeting the location of the speaker. I mean, how does that get investigated? Where does that go? We all want to know that. And, and we're you know hoping an investigation like that takes place, whether it's in a in congressional investigation or a criminal investigation. But um, tweeting the location of the speaker when we were asked not to tweet out anything because of our security is wrong. If individuals were given tours the day before so they could understand where the Capitol was, that would be wrong. But priority for us is to conduct this trial. Hopefully he's removed, uh, hold him accountable, but then understand fully exactly what happened. So talk to me. You're an impeachment manager. It was a pretty fast impeachment. Can you pressure McConnell to take it sooner or do you have to wait now? We think there's an imminency here that the president can't be in office for another hour. Otherwise, lives are at risk. So we want we want the trial now. Um, but it's a Senate decision. And, you know, whatever they do, we'll be ready. Uh, and it, it may be the McConnell majority. It may be the Schumer majority. But we've got a case to make and we're ready to make it. So you'll do a trial even after he's out of office, right? Yes. No, we're bringing this case to trial. And we think we can convict him. Yeah. You all have the language in there that he can't run again. Yeah, we, we were pretty clear that considering the gravity of the, the offense, he should never be able to hold any public office again. Jamal Bowman and Cori Bush want some of your colleagues who encourage these people to attack removed from office. And we're talking about like people like Mo Brooks, who spoke at the rally. What's your take on that? If there are members who were accomplices to this incitement uh, and the violence that took place, they should be held accountable and they should not hold office. And so I, I support that. And again, I, I think we need to investigate and understand. Uh, my priority right now is just to have a peaceful transition to power and do what we can as impeachment managers. But yes, that accountability has to take place. It must be a very hard place to work between the Republicans not wearing masks and getting people sick and then the Republicans refusing to go through the metal detectors. I know this is not all of the members of Congress who are in the GOP, but it must be very contentious. You know, Molly, what I don't understand is we had just gone through this common experience of being attacked by terrorists. We're lucky to be alive. They almost got into the chamber. And so we're ushered into a secure room. And in that secure room, you would think after that experience, we would all be taking care of each other. But instead, these colleagues refuse to wear their masks. And, and I'm not just talking about one or two, dozens and their staff members. And we pleaded with them. The Sergeant of Arms made an announcement a number of times to wear your mask. One of my colleagues, Lisa Blunt Rochester, one of the just kindest persons in the Congress, went over, handed them masks and said, please put these on. And, and you saw in the video, she was getting stiff-armed. Now, she will point out, uh, and she wants it to be noted, and I will, that there were Republicans who did put it on when she asked. So she wasn't completely ineffective in that regard. But you saw that people didn't put it on, and now we have four positive results of people who were in the room. Yeah, I mean, and then the other situation with them not wanting to go through the metal detectors. Imagine that. I mean, if you just say that out loud, that you have colleagues who refuse to go through a metal detector because they think they need to bring a gun to the workplace, I mean, that, that is just, to me, it's just bonkers. And it should have consequences. The speaker announced yesterday that there's going to be a $5,000 fine for anyone who 
refuses to go through the metal detector or who goes onto the floor without going on through the metal detector because people were doing that yesterday. And also, Molly, these cops have just been through a traumatic experience where they lost a colleague. Many were hospitalized. Who knows the long-term effects? And these Republicans who pride themselves on backing the blue and claim that we want to erroneously claim we want to defund the police, this is how they treat the police. And it's, I just think you, you want to talk about courage. You see these whiny old white men complaining that they can't bring their guns onto the House floor. Contrast that with thousands of young guardsmen who are sleeping on concrete floors in the Capitol because we're under attack. I mean, that's courage. Do you there are 10 Republicans who voted for this impeachment, which is pretty historic, actually like 10 and a half. Right. But how are they going to be okay? Do you sort of feel a camaraderie with them? Do you feel like there's a possibility they might caucus with you guys? Look, it's a unity impeachment. You know, we 10 Republicans, including the number three Republican. uh, That's a a good case to take over to the Senate. And, And I think also when you look at the Republicans who did not vote to overturn the election, those are also people, even if they didn't vote for impeachment, that perhaps we could work with to find accountability, reconciliation, and reforms that are going to be needed. Today, my fuck that guy is Lauren Boebert, who is a new congresswoman from Colorado. Earlier in the episode, we talked to Will Somer about this woman, but she has this gun-themed restaurant where she gave everyone <laughs> food poisoning with these like funky sliders that had turned. But she, the reason why she is my fuck that guy is because her sort of shtick was that she was going to carry a Glock to Congress, even though you're not supposed to have handguns in the district. And she refused to go through the metal detector. They put metal detectors in after this Capitol riots and she refused to go through it and she made a huge stink. And then she also, during the riots, was tweeting the location of the speaker. So if she's not involved, then she's doing a pretty good job of making it look like she's involved. She is my fuck that guy. I will give you one small tweak on that story. Members of Congress are exempt from Washington, D.C.'s gun laws, but the House rules are not the same as the laws of Washington, D.C. She's still on the fuck that guy list. Right. She can, they can leave them in their office, but they can't bring them to the floor, right? Correct. I'm, I'm going to give a fuck that guy to Roger Stone and Ali Alexander, uh, the organizers of the Stop the Steel rally. The Stop the Steel rally has now turned out to have been a gigantic organization, apparently um, the centerpiece of drawing together uh, a terrorist group to attack the Capitol in a terrorist attack in an attempt as insurgents to overthrow the government of the United States. I look forward to the day when both Mr. Alexander and Mr. Stone are deeply acquainted with federal prison because of this. This was a unsurprising development, but as we start to see the record coming together of of how this was organized, I think these guys are going to be in some significant peril and I can't wait. I have a sub fuck that guy related to Roger Stone because he's the Proud Boys sugar daddy or godfather or, or, or fairy godfather or whatever the hell you want to call it. A member of the Proud Boys was arrested today named Edward Floria, uh, who has decided he wants to kill Raphael Warnock. And of course, he oh, he wisely yeah. posted these these uh, threats on on the parlor machine. And um, he was arrested this week. He's a, he's a major leader in the Proud Boys. And they're working out well. I hope they uh, continue to stand down and stand by and uh, kneel as the police kick down their doors with their hands loose behind their heads while they're marched off to prison. And with that... (laughs) 
On that note, we'll wrap up this episode of The New Abnormal from The Daily Beast. In future episodes, we'll be talking with smart folks from The Daily Beast and beyond from media, culture, politics, and science who will help us understand what's happening to our country and the world. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and share the show on social media. We're just getting started and don't want you to miss an episode. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm Molly Jongfast, and he's The Rick Wilson. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you again on the next episode. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.